dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory sometimes not all the time but usually i'm one of your hosts adam walker and joining me as always is my other comrade partner in crime pat mitchell here we are back from a long break and we uh we saw just you last week yeah, well, I know, but <laughs> the saying though, this is this is me stating this after you stated it last week. And anyways, here we are. We're back talking about dumb shit that no one cares about. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Just shouting into the into the void. Okay, so before we proceed to talk about the movie itself, we've got this little game we've been doing, a tit for tat, stump chump, where one of us gives a filmography to the other one, and within a minute they have to, uh, the person has to figure out who we're talking about. So we're going to go through a not too obscure actor or actress's filmography and try to be fair. So let me see what we've got here. Who am I going to give to Pat? Because Pat gave me the business last week with Lawrence Fishburne. You are four and two on the season. I am three and two. So I need a win to to 
tie you back up. He needs a W. Let's give this boy a W. So I'm always trying to I'm trying to be uh, an equal opportunity type of uh, stumper here. So here we go. Gonna go, put one minute on the clock. Are you ready, my friend? Ready. Okay, we're gonna go all the way back. Duran Duran, Union of the Snake. Once Upon a Time in America, 1984. Phenomenon, 1985. Seven Minutes in Heaven, 1986. Labyrinth, 1986. Bowie? No. Uh, Career Opportunities, 1991. The Rocketeer, 1991. Oh, is it, uh... You got... 20 seconds. Is it the, uh, your girl, Jennifer Connelly? Uh, yeah, ding, ding, ding. Hello. All right, you got it. I thought, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be too easy because it's like Phenomenon's right there in the beginning. Yeah, once you heard, once I, Phenomenon Labyrinth, I was like, okay, it's got to be her. I didn't, I was, was stumping me was, uh, she's in that Sergio Leone movie, the Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah, that, that was like her second role, apparently. Yeah, I did that. That's the one that was thrown. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. What 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 are we on the leaderboard now? Now we're both at four and two on the season. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got that out of the way. Yeah. Let's uh, move on. Today, we're talking about a movie I picked. This is one that I've had on the list for a while, and incidentally, this is the most recent movie we've discussed. All the way up to 2017. Wowie zowie. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's our second S. Craig Zahler or Zahler. I I guess I was was watching the extras on my Blu-ray of this, and I guess that's the proper pronunciation. They say Zahler? S. Craig Zahler. This is our second S. Craig Zahler movie after Bone Tomahawk. It is Brawl and Cell Block 99. And who daddy? I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but man, this is a real banger, humdinger of a flick, and I was real, real excited to watch it again and talk about it. Yeah, it. it uh, you know, this is a could serve as a companion piece for last season's Bone Tomahawk in a lot of ways. We're back in the in the Zaylor verse, Zoller verse, whatever. Yeah. He, and he really is creating kind of his own, I feel, enclosed universe that it can be self-referential um, within itself. So I would say to a certain extent, and I know some people might disagree with me, I feel like this guy is the rightful heir to the Tarantino throne as far as... Uh, oh, wow. That's rene- renegading some... Yeah, I really feel this way. As far as renegade, uh, real nerd uh, actors, as far as like, you know, paying homage to the yesteryears of Grindhouse and Exploitation and being able to effectively update it to modern contemporary times. And I feel like that's an excellent point. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that can be um, attributed to this movie in particular. So. 
Um, that's just a little bit of my uh, off the top there. This movie was also a comeback, I would say, to a certain extent for Vince Vaughn and a pretty dramatically different role than people, I think, are accustomed to him playing. It was really a, a rebranding of the man for this movie. So, yeah, I think I was you said uh, you said it was like a. A Vaughn renaissance of sorts. And I was thinking like, what, what exactly was going on before this? I mean, I can't, I'm trying, I'm looking through right now. I'm trying to think of the last good thing he did. I mean, did people like Hacksaw Ridge? <laughs> See, I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge, but uh, neither have I. Um, but that, I mean, that's a, a very notable movie it, that came out the year previous, but yeah, this is a, a, a wasteland, um, of just really bad romantic comedies. And then like kind of being a, a cameo and random fucking bullshit. Yeah. It, uh, I would agree with that. And despite all that, I would say that I've always really had a soft spot for Vince Vaughn. I think he is a great actor. He's a great comedic actor when he isn't something it's usually, if I watch it, it's generally quality. I think the last thing that I really um, think is notable in his filmography for me is, I don't know, probably Dodgeball. That's what I was thinking. Like, so like outside of when he did Dodgeball and Anchorman in the same year, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's in that Starsky and Hutch reboot or whatever the hell. That's also the same year, which I didn't um, mind. I thought that was all right. But then after that, he goes on a bad run of of movies that are just like all kind of all over the place. Um, Wild West comedy show, Fred Claus, uh, the breakup, Wedding Crashers. I mean, I know people really love Wedding Crashers a whole lot. I mean, I didn't I didn't really care either way for it. Couples Retreat, lots of rom-coms. So, yeah, it's nice to he really uh, he really does a 180 uh, after like a 10 year rom-com run. And he's back in the back in a violent saddle. And I don't know if he's back because he never was really this character before. So and then he's the uh, Craig Zaylor uses him again. Uh, the following year after this came out and dragged across concrete, which is really good too. Right. And that's again, where I feel that Zoller is a Tarantino. Ite. He, he is kind of, again, entering into that role because that was what Tarantino had been notable for was taking these actors that, for a lot of people had kind of been washed up B list Z list, you know, actors that had maybe some sort of, uh, heyday at one point and being Michael able Madsden. To, yeah. Yeah. Madsen, and, yeah. Well, he did it with David Carradine too. I feel like David Carradine really brought him back from the grave in a lot of ways from the, from the acting grave. So, that's just my assessment of it, the way I see it. So anyways, this is definitely, I feel, my favorite Vince Vaughn role. I, I would, I, I think, without a shadow of a doubt at this point. After looking at, well, Swingers? I do like Swingers, but still. 
That's tough. Also, that... because of this, I was inspired to go check out the episodes that he uh, uh, has been introduced into Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's Freddy Funk. Oh, yeah. Another weird, yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> Funkhauser's like half brother or, or something like that. But he's just playing himself. Like, they have a lot of <laughs> yeah. characters on that show that just, that are just playing themselves, but they have random character names. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's really good in the, in the newer Curb stuff. But yeah, outside of Swingers, um, the, for sure, this is it. Well, he also was in the uh, Gus Van Zandt remake of Psycho. He played. I know. Yeah, that's like Norman Bates. That's so bad. Yeah, I haven't watched that in years. So, but I know it wasn't um, critically favored. So bad, bad beat. That's a strange movie to decide you're just going to remake. It's like being like, well, let's just just reboot Jaws. I really like him in the Cell too. Yeah, yeah, but none of those are still. Yeah, I'd still say swingers and and this this uh, being recency bias. Yeah, I, yeah, obviously he's he rules in this. So without further ado, we'll give a synopsis of the film. And this film is about a down on his luck a former boxer slash tow truck driver mechanic. I guess they don't really specify what he does, but I, I've. Feel like it's a tow truck driver who uh, is recently unemployed. Recently discovers his wife's infidelities, so he's just having a real rough, rough time of it. And from there on, he decides to try and give it another go with his his wife, and becomes a drug dealer, or as he says, delivers packages for an old friend <laughs> to kind of, you know, take one last go at having a better life. And everything goes fine until it goes sideways. There's a, a pickup that goes bad. He goes to jail. And while he's in jail, he gets notified that his wife and their unborn child might be undergoing a very, very heinous, horrific uh, abortion operation because the gang that he was involved in the pickup ends up betraying him. And so from there on out, this is his crusade to stop them from aborting his child and killing his wife. And so he enters uh, the cell block nine at the red leaf maximum security facility and engages into an all, all out just brutal attack with the guards and the inmates. So, it's really uh, to me a movie about uh, it's a redemption tale in a lot of ways I feel like this is a a down on his luck you know working class guy that's really just trying to start a family and have a decent life and he's got to go through criminal means to do so and it just turns from, from bad to good to the worst so yeah and you know the, the the giant cross tattoo on the back of his head that's referenced in the opening shot and throughout the movie. Like, there's definitely like a re- redemptive 
Christian kind of perspective to this a little bit. Um, yeah, and uh, like a descent into hell, like a literal hell. Yeah. Gotta, so, get, gotta go back in to get out. <laughs> right. So, you know, he's just trying to not only redeem himself by saving his family, but, you know, yeah. That's what that's why I think it's it's about it's about him trying to redeem himself from the mistakes that he's made by saving his family and being able to pass on his lineage essentially. So So yeah. So anyways, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about off the top? No. Um not not particularly. I I haven't seen I saw this the first time um uh, maybe a year or two ago. So this is only my second time revisiting it, but um, it's still pretty fresh in my mind. Some of these movies we've seen like dozens of times. It's harder to talk about a movie you've only seen twice, but you know, we'll do our best. This is one of my favorite, more recent movies of the past decade. And so I've watched it numerous times. It's one of these movies that, I highly recommend to most people I know that I think would be into movies like this. So I've watched it several times at this point. Every time I watch it, it's the same thing. I feel like I, I, I glean more from it each time I watch it too. It really is one of those movies that I get more out of with the mileage that I put into it. Um, this like the, like bone Tomahawk. I think we had this discussion with bone Tomahawk. It had a, you know, not a large budget, but a sizable budget for an indie low budget film, $4 million and only box office grossed 64,000. But we were talking with, I think with bone Tomahawk, how, or it might've been terrifier. One of those where I think the game with this is, you know, getting the receipts on the back end. So that's what, what which these is producers bet on increasingly more difficult with nobody buying physical forms of media anymore. That That's why they don't even take risks on this type of shit anymore. Because no one's making any money on the back end. If you're not, if you're not clearing, I mean, you could, the best you can hope for is a, is a Netflix deal. Somebody picks it up. Uh, that's the new form of the back end deal, but you're not going right. to see this recouped in Blu-ray sales, like on any level, unfortunately. So so it's interesting because clearly Zoller keeps getting these people to back him, keeps getting these production companies to throw money at him. They believe in him, but he's not, you know, so he must be recouping the money somehow or he's got enough people convinced that he's 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 going to be again this next Tarantino superstar director that, you know, because he does write great movies he writes phenomenal scripts he gets fantastic actors to come on board for these and when you watch the actors talk about working with them they're all very very they are they are sucking his balls i tell you what you know (laughs) it's just hard to i can't imagine that this got a wide release also given the content of the movie it's probably I didn't look up the rating. This, there's no way this is even an R, right? It's not rated. Yeah. 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 It's hard to get unrated movies even in a wide amount of screens. So, yeah, oh. they keep they keep betting on them. Uh, I just wonder when 
when his mainstream crossover will be. I don't know. Maybe we'll never see it. Maybe he'll just keep grinding these out. I don't know. Grinding them. Yeah. As far as critical reception goes, positive one, incidentally, from uh, Richard Roper, who kind of took over for Roger Ebert, for those of you that don't know. Gave it a three and a half out of four. Said he praised Vaughn's performance, saying in the middle of all the winds-inducing, limb-bending, bone-crunching, face-exploding bloodshed, Vaughn turns in a legitimately great great performance that ranks among the finest work he's ever done, like we kind of already said. Totally, fully agree with that. This is probably my favorite Vince Vaughn performance. Um, on the other hand, this is a really weird one. And I, I, you know, I love reading bad reviews about this one in particular because they're so off the mark. But uh, this uh, critic from the Metro gave it a three out of five stars, calling it more nauseous than anything in the human centipede, despite praising Vaughn's performance as captivating in his vulnerable, forlorn-eyed, rage-fueled intensity. This Mm. doesn't approach the same kind of just nihilistic, I think, disgusting for disgusting sake as human centipede. That's a real, that's a a whack-ass review. (laughs) Yeah, well, and, you know, this has... There's content here. There's like, you know, something to be said about this idea of blue collar frustration Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to make ends meet in in an increasingly capitalistic hellscape Mm -hmm. and what that what that looks like and turning to more nefarious means of of making money and and this kind of insidious Cat, like, like I feel like the the ground opens up and he just falls deeper and deeper into like this insidious world of trying to to get back, uh, you know, redemptively. Uh, right. So yeah, if, and what am I supposed to say about human centipede? There's none. Yeah. There's no actual critical uh, take. There's nothing like, you know, the ass to mouth represents uh, <laughs> us force feeding each other I mean, <laughs> every day. It, you you could do some sort of. Probably. I'm sure that there are people moral, who have written yeah, papers about it. Yeah. Right. Symbolic analogy about, yes, the, the woes of capitalism and how, yes, we're all just like, you know, a human centipede. That's, we're all you know, strapped to each other's assholes. Yeah, yeah. Our mouths are all strapped to uh, someone else's asshole to to sustain ourselves. But uh, there is legitimate character development in this movie, you know, and again, I, I learned something new or a glean more from it every time I watch it. And this time in particular, where I do see a, a lot of symbolism and analogy that's represented in this movie, again, be it parallel to like religious tales and religious, you know, redemption. And again, talking about, you know, the uh, the quicksand of being born poor and trying to climb out of it to do better for yourself and just never being able to do so, you know, constantly returning to the, you know, being like, you know, immersed by poverty. So anyways, so if you got anything else to talk about, uh, otherwise we will move on. Let's do it. This. Okay, with the good, the bad, and the questionable.
for me. I gotta say, it was a very bloated good. Um, there's just like a lot of good things I got to talk about this movie. Um, first and foremost, I do want to have a, a discussion about the fact that Bradley is genuinely a terrifying character, and the fact that he has just one tattoo on his whole body which is a giant cross on the back of his head it's just funny being the symbol that it is that placement of it you know on him really it says a lot about this man (laughs) and you know it's no coincidence that the opening shot is is like a close-up of that cross as he's like walking away from the camera like it's uh because this this movie is repentance um yeah and the steps towards repentance uh and making making good on you know he's trying to salvage this relationship so he's like a very redemptive character but character but he's also like really in the throes of repentance uh you know throughout as he, right. as things get worse and worse, but but yeah, it's that is a it's a jarring uh, aesthetic that they use. Like it's the cover of the of the film, and like it's a gr- it's a great just aesthetically pleasing shot, especially as he gets more and more fucked up, and that th- that cross is just like got like bruises and yeah. like blood marks all over it. It's great. Yeah, it really is a it, it is a constant symbol to reference throughout the movie, and also going back to talking about how this movie does have a lot of really great character development and, and, and character discussion, you know, because he is a on on the on the outside he seems in a lot of ways to be a very simple man. He tries to portray himself as being a very simple person, simple needs, you know, not well educated not cultured, but he's actually a very, very complex individual, in my opinion. You know, he is well, a good point. It's, it's interesting that we are forced to identify with it. He is like our protagonist, but he's also like a, you know, this dripping with like toxic masculinity and yeah. like just like clearly unchecked anger issues. Um, yeah, so like rage. Full and just full of rage <laughs> to be like, this is this is the guy that you have to identify with. And really, you have to back him in order for this movie to even work for you, because if you don't buy into it, then it just doesn't work because you can't even you don't want to, you know, cheer him on at, at any point. But it's weird. You we connect with him, even despite yeah. him being no one we would ever want to fucking hang out with outside of this movie. He would just be. Like a uh, shitty Midas uh, mechanic. <laughs> uh, I would hang out with a dude like this. I have definitely hung out with dudes like this before. <laughs> you know, growing okay. up at least. You know, coming yeah. where I come from, there's definitely dudes like this that, that I, you know, had to <clears throat> spend time with by default of, you know, being raised by my my stepdad in certain ways is, is a guy like this. No, you know, yeah. So his friends were like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but not for everybody. Most people, I would say that they would not be stoked to hang out with a guy like this. It would be. Constantly. It wouldn't be my my preference. <laughs> <laughs> but to add a choice. That, yeah, but to add to that, I would say not only like is he complex in terms of you know he's he's constantly trying to grapple with his internal rage that he's just um, trapped 
by his environment, by his circumstances. And he seems like he's a pretty simple guy. He's actually, to me, very highly intelligent because he's able to not only instinctually kind of try and maneuver through these these hairy situations. And you could tell, you know, he can smell a rat when they're around. Like, that's what gets him in this whole predicament is he has to choose between siding with the rats you know, and doing the deal to please his boss or stepping away from it because he knows that he's getting into some sticky shit. And, you know, so he's stuck between that rock and hard place. But also just throughout the movie, he has some of the most witty comebacks and one-liners that somebody, you know, that isn't intelligent and has like is bright wouldn't be able to come up with those like on on their feet like that. He does it throughout the whole movie. I'm south of okay, but north of cancer. <laughs> yeah, just things like that. Just like those redneckisms that I love. Friends of mine, particularly out here, they don't do it so much in Indiana because I think it is a regional thing. But people out here that I know, they always talk about how I have those kind of like one-linerisms. And I feel like that is attributable to me being from where I'm from. Being raised around blue collar people like this, working jobs like that, working with construction workers and things like that, because a lot of them are like that. They have those redneckisms <laughs> that are very, very colloquial and specific to the, these regions um, that these people come from. Um, but I want to also note that on top of all that, the fact that this guy is a phenomenal expert level fighter is also indicative of his intelligence because. That also takes you know, that takes smarts to be able to be that good of a fighter, to be able to get your way out of those situations and be able to, you know, walk into a room. If you're going to if you know you're walking into a room and you got to fight people, assessing it immediately and like basically like working out the chess moves in your brain. You know, this guy's going to come after me. This guy's going to come after me this way. I got to go for this guy first, you know, dispatch him, move to the next guy. You know what I mean? So Bradley is, a, to me, a very highly intelligent character. And then that goes back to, again, the discussion about environment being a, a huge hindrance and kneecap to people's potential and success. If you're born into these lower blue cl- class, uh, blue collar, lower class working class sort of scenarios where let's say somebody like Bradley Thomas, if he was raised by a professor or a doctor or whatever, an individual like that would go on to be a professional. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the whole nature versus nurture sort of discussion that people are constantly having. So anyways, I, I just, yeah. As in a nutshell, I just want to say, like, Bradley is a character. I love his character. And just and I'm constantly, you know, impressed with, uh, you know, how much more I can dissect, you know, that character's complexity when I when I watch this. So, yeah, he's the I mean, Vince Vaughn is the easily the winner of the movie. Like, yeah, the, the top of the of the good list is. Fuck, Vince Vaughn, just really good in this. <laughs> just like one of his one of his best, uh, you know, acting duties, and also just like the character is is so well thought out and 
and really, really fleshed out in terms of like, you know, from a screenplay perspective, like you, you yeah. can tell where he drinks and, you know, just the kinds of media he consumes and that, that sort of stuff, like without even knowing. Right. I would say just in general, this movie does have some pretty standout acting throughout the whole thing. You know, even like yeah. the, the, the secondary actors and, you know, the some of the, the side characters, they all do a phenomenal job. I love that Don Johnson had uh, had a kind of a as far as I'm, I I could tell, because I didn't know he was really in anything in the early in the 90s and early 2000s as far as I'm, I'm sure he was in stuff. But I think of him as in this and in Django Unchained, which are yeah. like very close in terms of release date. Uh, I love both of his characters in both these movies. I think yeah. he does a, such a good job and he's an evil fucking prick in both. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he does, does such a good job in both though. Like uh, without knowing anything about Don Johnson outside of Miami vice, uh, I didn't, I didn't think I would have ever known he was in anything until I saw those two movies. I was like, oh, good to see him getting work still is basically my my whole thing about seeing him in, in, these, in this and that. Yeah, he's great. And I've always liked Don Johnson. I, I grew up watching Miami Vice, so I have a special, you know, sentimental spot in my heart for Don Johnson. So it's great to see to answer your this. question he, or to answer my own question. Yeah, was just just been in a million movies, but nothing that I've ever fucking heard of. This <laughs> <laughs> the sexiest man still alive, Don Johnson. <laughs> he's a very good-looking older man. He's yeah, very, he's very he's a very very handsome man. He's like a he's like a George Clooney, where he just like ages like a fine wine. You know, starting in like 2008, he basically came out with two or three movies a year. <laughs> yeah. Going so up just, to Django. Django was actually 2012. I thought it was closer to, I guess that, that totally makes sense. But yeah, he was in Django in 2012 and this in 2017. Oh yeah, I completely forgot. He's in Dragged Across uh, Concrete, which speaks to your, this idea of uh, Zayler doing a Tarantino-ism of using similar uh, actors in throughout his movies and also like recharging people's careers. Right, just kind of pulling from the same pool of individuals over and over again. And he was in Knives Out, which I have not seen, but I hear everyone fucking loves that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's one I haven't seen yet either, and, and same, one I've been meaning to check out. Well, the sequel comes out, uh, like, this month or next month, I think, so I was I was going to do a double header and watch, uh, watch the first Knives Out and then go see the second one in theaters. I wonder if yeah. he's in the second one. He doesn't, he doesn't have it listed as being in the second one which is interesting. I think I just spoiled it for myself. He probably dies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't, I don't know what else to glean from that. But anyway, yeah, I back to the original, uh, your original point. I, I love uh, all the, even the bit characters in this do such a good job. Like the, uh, the Japanese abortionist. He's, <laughs> he's such a creep. He's so weird. He does so much. He, in with, so life, little. <laughs> with so little he yeah. reminds me he's like in a takashi miki movie like a real fucking evil little turd <laughs> yeah just someone who is just through and through just sadistic and evil 
just that's I what love they, how dejected he is that he can't perform the abortion. Like it really <laughs> it really bums him out. Like he's like it like ruined his fucking day. I know. Well, on that being said, you know, of course we gotta talk about uh Udo Kier, who's another just legendary creep. And yeah, uh, man. we haven't seen it in a while and does a phenomenal job in this just being just the, the I like how his name is the Placid Man. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even have a like the Placid Man is very uh, Twin Peaksy. Like that's a David Lynchian 100%. character. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, he's definitely. And also, um, the uh, Mark. I think his name is Mark Blukas. Blukas. I don't. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's Gil. Riley from Buffy to me. Yeah, yeah. Gill's character. Yeah. Is uh is Riley for any any Buffy fans out there? But yeah. he I I I haven't seen him since Buffy. I didn't know even though he had a fucking career. Also yeah. fucking really good in this. Like yeah. it, it's great. Even like all the I love when he goes to the to the medium security prison before he's sent away to the to the maximum max super max prison or whatever. Yeah, like all the all the guards in that one are so lackadaisical. Like they, they are so well represented of people that would work in a medium security prison. Like their guard is dropped, you know, no pun intended, but they're, they're like this ragtag group of fucking idiots that, that makes it all the more pleasing when he does uh, just rampages through them because they have never seen anything even remotely like this in their lives. But all those actors playing all the different guards, just superbly well done. I love the the like lefty who shows him around yeah. or whatever. He's like, I got transferred from this other prison. My name is Righty over there. <laughs> I love the the black guy. Uh, the black uh, is Andre the the guard that wants him to do the boxing lessons yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Andre's super good. But that's what that's the other like get, the give and take, like the push and pull here. Like I loved Andre and then like watching him getting fucking wrecked was like hard for me because I was genuinely yeah. was like, this dude didn't need to get like this level of wrecked. But Same. that's what like really, really wears on you because you're like, I'm still with him. Like he's in a very fucked up situation and I understand why I understand, you know, the means to an end here. But He's innocent. People are getting just wrecked. People that you like. It's it's a a movie that really is hard to suss out in terms of like your your emotions. I agree. Yeah, there is a lot of um, uh, complex feelings to navigate to this. Just again, because if you're your standpoint personally, your your values don't align yourself with feeling that cops or guards have any sort of legitimacy in society, the people themselves. Yes. You do sympathize with them. And I, yeah, I feel that way as with Andre, I genuinely like him as a character because you can tell that he's trying to be cool with Bradley. He respects him. He knows he sees in him. He's like, this guy's a badass, And, I, you know, I want him to thrive as well as he can during his time here. And he just gets brutalized so badly by the dude. 
Just he because. apologizes right before he gets wrecked. He's like, right. hey, I was giving you a hard time and I just wanted to apologize. And then he gets absolutely <laughs> torn apart. Don't and, you? So do you wonder if like you drop like Stallone or <laughs> Arnold in as the Bradley character? Yeah. You know how you, you would never be able to have them in this. Like th- those types of characters never those types of actors traditionally as a rule, don't go heel. Like they don't play bad guys. Yeah. And if the closest thing they do is like an anti-hero of sorts. Right. And but, that's what this, what Bradley is. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But if you drop Stallone in this movie, he's only fucking up like the other prisoners in the yard. Like you, you yeah. wouldn't ever have a character that we're supposed to be sympathetic towards that Stallone would then fucking murk. Like it doesn't, it doesn't check out. It just doesn't, you would lose faith in Stallone and you just lose faith in that character. That's why this is so complex because Bradley is, is doesn't care. He has one goal and anyone that's in his way to that goal is, is going to get wrecked. And also he needs to get upgraded to the supermax as quickly as possible. So like wrecking a bunch of prisoners in the yard doesn't upgrade. Maybe he just goes to like solitary, but yeah. breaking one of the guards arms now you're that's the only way so in a lot of ways like i i understand it it makes it makes sense but it it just gives you like lots of complex feelings about it it's not totally evil like it it has it serves a purpose is what i is what i mean yeah i agree with but all you'd that. never see a big like you'd never see like if this was an action movie from the 80s or whatever Stallone's not not uh, fucking up people that we care about. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's just he's just not. They wouldn't they wouldn't write it like that. Yeah, and that's what I also attribute to really just stellar writing, just being able to do that with you know with the audience in mind, knowing that they're going to sympathize to a certain extent with both sides, and and yeah. which you know. So which way do we, you know, turn that around? I want to say during that whole fight, too, one of my favorite aspects of it is Bradley just taking off his shoe and shoving it in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he just just beats the shit out of him with a shoe and shoves it in his mouth and then goes to town on the guy. It's just, he gets a lot of use out of uh, prison issued shoes because yeah, he uses pr- the insoles. <laughs> <laughs> he uses the insoles later to as a buffer to that like weird like uh, maternal maternity contraction device or whatever the hell I don't know what the hell it is yeah that fucking that chastity belt that elect- yeah, electrocuting chastity up. belt yeah fucked up <laughs> chastity belt yeah uh, but during all of that you know it is replete with great one liners too um, just when Andre's talking to him about coming out when he calls them for the count in the morning and it's just like, it's just like the, the bell at the beginning of the back of the boxing match, you know, you gotta be out here and be on time. And there's also some like uh interplay that Brad's having with one of the other inmates. Yeah. Inmates yeah. sees his foot and he's like, what happened? And he's like, I stepped on a bug. It was a big one. <laughs> That's funny. I, th- I thought we were thinking of the same thing, but same guy, different interaction when he's like, Hey, how you doing? And he's like, well, when you wake up here every morning, it's like, there's no, no longer are good mornings. He's like, uh, I bet. <laughs> like, yeah, the weird. Uh, he has two interactions with that with the cell cell guy next to him. They both are great. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So obviously that's what leads to him getting 
transferred. And I also want to note how it's so funny that because I get it once in Bradley's mind, he realizes he's got to be on this mission. He immediately engages in it. There is no hesitation whatsoever. He gets done with the meeting. He doesn't even sleep on it. He's just like, all right, well, I got to start moving towards getting transferred. So he just starts on his fucking war path. All that basically transpires in the matter of like a few hours where he just beats the shit out of all the guards, gets transferred to Red Leaf, gets put in Red Leaf, gets processed. And then he like has one day where he sleeps in the fucking the poop chamber in Red Leaf. <laughs> so he, he, he sleeps it off for one day and then as soon as he wakes up, engages in the warpath over at Red Leaf and just starts beating the shit out of people there. <laughs> the guy is just like, he's he's not fucking around. He's, he's on a mission. He's going to get it done as soon as possible. It's very time sensitive, obviously. Um, yeah, that's that's the other part of it. You understand like why he has to act the way he does. So even when he's dispatching people that we grew to care about over a very short amount of time, ultimately you un- you understand it because he's got a long way. To- he's not even in the right prison. Like he's got <laughs> right. got transferred prisons. And then he's transferring prisons. He's not even in cell block ninety nine where he ultimately needs to wind up so he has to be an even bigger shithead over there to get yeah punished fucked into cell block 99 like <laughs> it's a whole thing like you uh you understand the method to his madness like there's no there's no explanation to it he just you he's given like the mission and you're like all right let's see how let's see how he's able to figure this out right and again even though we find out he's basically duped to go to cell block 99. Yeah, right, right. Again, it is indicative of his quick wittedness to immediately figure out the path to getting there. Only to be, you know, to realize, oh, he's essentially been had. Yeah. But once he gets yeah. to cell block 99, he, he finds out that Eleazar, Eleazar is there with his thugs. One of them being, which we haven't talked about, is Roman, who is terrifying. Mm. Who's mm-hmm. the guy that essentially is the reason why Brad's there to begin with, because he's the one that fucks up the drop, or at least he, I don't know ex- essentially what their intent was. It seems like Eleazar was using Brad to get the pickup all for himself, essentially. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they turn on him as soon as they get the stash. And knock him out. And then they just, and that's when they engage in that ambush, which we didn't talk about that at all. That crazy fucking cop ambush that they have on the pier. (laughs) So good. Mowing down cops with those, with those fucking uh, rifles. Um, But yeah, so he gets to the prison in the prison. He's fully descended into the pit of hell. (laughs) And then we got the, one dude there that is just beating up tires. I love that. The guy that's just training on the tires the whole time. Yeah, it's a great Rocky one, Rocky one reference. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's funny to me that they're just all chilling in that inner sanctum there. Just listening to music. Got the guy beating up the tires, you know, playing cards, whatever. And I, I don't really know. And we'll leave this for the question questionable, but you know, there is some 
interesting things going on with that whole round table right there with the, those guys just hanging out. <laughs> but then, but then, yeah. So Bradley figures out, Oh, okay. So I got, I got duped. Now I got to waste these fucking guys. And then he has to waste the guards before he gets to that point. And then he, he engages in that, you know, the, the, the the technique of putting the insoles by his kidneys so he can <laughs> keep from getting shocked to shit every time by the by the chastity belt. The shoes help him again. Yeah, the shoes, like yeah, the shoes are another symbol that keep popping up that I feel are good. Also, I don't know if you thought about this because I was thinking about the whole redemption Christ Christ like aspect of Bradley is he has basically stigmata wounds the whole time because his hands are always bandaged up. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that that's an excellent point. Yeah. So anyways, so yeah, so it gets to the point where now he beats the shit out of the dudes in the yard at Redleaf and just, you know, just straight like bear hugs one guy to death. <laughs> I love that. And then gets put just in like fun uh, crunching sound. Yeah. Gets this put would be the- a, a great, uh, a great movie to be. Uh, what do they call them? Gaffers. Yeah. Right. This would be a fun gaffer role. Just like you got to crunch a bunch of bones and shit. Yeah. Great sound design. Great sound. Yeah. Uh, sound effects. But yeah. Gets put into the torture chamber. There's like this weird, you know, not so subtle BDSM homoerotic aspect that kind of pervades the processing and being in both prisons as, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, like, uh, what is it? Warden Tugs could possibly be just, you know, a complete like sexual sadist. <laughs> possibly or for sure. <laughs> or for sure. Yeah. But yeah, so that whole third act is just phenomenal. Just the thing is, I don't know if you felt this way, but I feel like the the guards at Redleaf actually, given how maximum security it was, overall are not that intimidating. They're just more like petty shitheads. You know what I mean? Especially yeah, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, you do get an... Uh, yeah, because I when I was talking about... By the way, uh, just to correct myself, it's a Foley, not a gaffer. But whatever. Right. Yeah, gaffer is like the uh, lighting electrical yeah, guy. Yeah, ele- electrical guy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, when I was pointing out how like... You know, bad news bears the fucking medium security guys were. Um, <laughs> yeah, you make the upgrade to the Mac, Super Max, and it's just wiener after wiener. It's like none of the <laughs> the only thing that gets upgraded is like the no nonsense, like the yeah. um, minimum uh, freedom that that they bestow upon him, and then the like they when they apply the the chastity belt to him. That's just a room of like torture implements. Like there's right. other shit like hanging out on the wall in the back stuff. So it's not like the the guards don't get upgraded with with red leaf, but their means and their methods are are certainly upgraded to a, a heinous degree. Also, we're however long into this thing, and we haven't mentioned just in case people just haven't seen it or aren't familiar. This is like objectively one of the most gruesomely violent movies that <laughs> that has ever been put out there. Like in terms of just like there's shit on in, in here that I, I 
it's unflinching in in how uh, brutal it is. Which brings me to to discuss, which I don't know how we completely glossed over this. We just jumped right over it. The I whole know. scene in the beginning where he just beats the shit out of the car with his bare hands. Oh, yeah. Could have started there. <laughs> he just destroys a car with his bare hands. And there's a there's hit Zoller's technique of like unflinching camera edits. So like minimizing the amount of edits. So it doesn't feel like a WWE match where yeah. it's a camera a cut with every punch or kick or whatever. And you feel like you're having like a seizure. Yeah. This is more like unflinching, like letting the actors be actors and, you know, minimizing the need for stunt doubles to, yeah. to a certain degree. Very similar that we're coming off of a Jackie Chan movie where Jackie, the camera's on Jackie and Jackie's doing all the shit and it doesn't really cut away from him very much because he yeah. is the star and like his, his prowess is, is on full display. He, Z- Zoller does a similar, uh, technique where when you see him break somebody's arm it's not like cut 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 like it's not like he grabs the arm he's about to break it the camera cuts again it's just like here we go and then you just breaks an arm like a two by four you hear every crunching detail of it and (laughs) it's gnarly it's so good so good yeah well and i like with the car assault uh scene too that to me, it is very realistic in the sense that you can tell at that point his brain just short circuits because it's so random how he attacks parts of the car. Yeah, he goes, yeah. He goes for the rear view mirror, then he, he punches the fucking light out of the front. He just grabs the light bulb, the whole light housing, and destroys that, rips the hood off, rips the rear view mirror out from inside the car. You know, it's just very random attacks. Yeah, but he, I like how delicate he's like he punches out the he punches out the the front headlight and then he like goes in and like delicately like pulls out the wire. <laughs> That's what so, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would Bradley would do excellent in the uh, Street Fighter bonus round. Like <laughs> right? just give me give me Bradley instead of uh, E Honda or whatever. I'll just start fucking dis- dissembling a car. Like, when he when he crunches down on the on the side mirror that's just vince vaughn like crunching down on a mirror with his fist he's just like punching he is literally punching that mirror off that off that car i wonder if he got hurt i don't know how much research you did but i wonder if he fucking i did they definitely built that car in a manner where him assaulting it would have induced as little injury to him as possible but i'm sure he still got hurt beating the shit out of it yeah it's not easy just punching a fucking car the only edit that is that is in there is when he's about to punch the wind the driver's side window out and then it cuts to him his fist like having gone through the window it's only it's the only like bad edit in the movie because it's like about to punch it and then you just see his fist going through like no glass at all (laughs) but you hear glass breaking yeah but other than that edit like it's just vince vaughn yeah destroying a honda civic or whatever i don't know what the fuck car that is well and it's just like you yeah whatever hatchback mazda fucking piece of shit but you can tell it's also it is a man that loves his wife very much and is doing everything in his power to short circuit that rage from going at her 
<laughs> so I didn't I didn't get that the first time and I felt uncomfortable the second time. Like right. as a character introduction, I'm like, oh, this guy's like a piece of shit, like uh sure, you know, domestic abuser. Yes, I agree. That's how you it's feel. hard to it's hard to be like, oh well, you know, he only centers his anger around inanimate objects. He would never actually hit a woman. I, I can't make that leap of yeah. logic. <laughs> right. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he doesn't have that in him. It's just he is doing everything he can in that moment to avoid that. Yeah, to yeah, make sure it's not her face. Wouldn't go to that point. He clearly would be able to. He just right there. He's again. He's short circuited. But anyways, that was a little backtracking there. So just want to wrap it up with like that whole third act. There's just so much going on there with those fights against Eleazar and his gang. He he crunches Wilson's head in the in the door. He tire man, he flattens his face and scrapes it. That that is so gnarly. I the wins. bone on concrete getting God, scraped I every time I, I when when he breaks Andre's arm and when he when he just scrapes that guy's face. And then he flip him over and he's like a spirit Halloween costume. Like he's just like but ground down bone face <laughs> just yeah just completely obliterates that guy's face on the ground again then, let me be a foley on this on this fucking <laughs> project i would love to do oh like reading the screenplay being like oh okay i need like uh the front of a skull scraping against concrete yeah cool i'll i'll make that happen <laughs> he gouges out mpv's eyes he i forget how he does in roman but he fucks roman up pretty good too you and get then, some good thumb thumb under eyelid uh action there that's that's yeah. fun then he just completely destroys Eleazar by breaking his leg first dragging him into that other cell and then kicks his head off into that hole in the corner of the cell that's a poop hole right that's yeah, just for poop. Just, like, just like kicks his head into the shithole there uh which is that. why he makes the comment of you know i hear the head still has like is, is still aware after being detached from the body. And I hope that's true because, you know, because the head's in the shitter or whatever is right. I imagine the implication there. Yeah. And then finally, you know, he's able to contact his wife and Lauren. They save the baby. Placid man and Korean abortionist gets taken out by Gil. It's funny because, you know, Gil is clearly the one that got them all into this mess, basically, because he's the one that didn't trust Bradley's instincts to begin with, yeah. hitched him up with these fucking guys who ended up bungling the fucking drop. And then Gil acts like he's doing them a favor, you know, and he's all, <laughs> which he does. I mean, he does ultimately help them, but it's like the least he could do. That's the least he could do. He's the one that got them in that fucking mess to begin with. So yeah, takes them out and, and, and then, of course, Bradley ultimately gets his head blown apart. And this was like a criticism that I saw people talking about when I was reading like the, the user reviews of this, where people that clearly didn't get it were joking about how fake, you know, those dummies looked at the end. The, the special effects looked clearly pretty low fi. That, that was the whole point. It was supposed to be hearkening back to those grindhouse exploitation years where they were working with what they got. I'm sure if they really wanted to invest more into having more realistic, you know, body doubles, they could have. But that was the whole point is to make it look authentic. Yeah. So you can clearly tell with you know, those prison guards and with Bradley getting his head blown off there at the end that it's it's a dummy. 
but I love that. That's yeah, just it great. adds to the overall. I mean, I prefer that over like a CGI head explosion. Jesus, exactly. Christ. like give me like a latex dummy face because you're exactly. only on it for a second. It's yeah. like it just I want like a, a good gelatinous explosion. But give me like yeah. scanners head explosion. Exactly, hundred percent. So that's a plus to me. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a negative. Um, so. Do you have any goods before we uh, move forward? I feel like the the back end of this will be pretty quick. So, no, I think we covered the violent aspect of it. <laughs> uh, the the from a from an acting aspect, you know, we love most of these characters. Um, I, I think we we covered in a very ADD way all the things we liked. <laughs> yeah, like we do. Like or at least do. like how, how I do. So <laughs> moving on uh, both, to the bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are some bads? Well, again, not not necessarily technique or aesthetic bads or anything about the movie per se. I guess I just have some general uh, bad times, bad, um, bad calls, I guess I would say, uh, with the movie. Uh, one is... Uh, Bad. How to sell, salvage a fucked up marriage? Having a baby. Never a good yeah, choice. Bad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's never. A, that's never a good way to go. Let's uh, bring a child into this. Yeah. Also bad. These kind of go together. That sanctimonious fucking police detective that he interacts with when he's getting processed there after he gets busted. Also, our bad, terrible criminal justice system. Which yeah yeah him also thinking that he's gonna go away for you know four to five years and in, in getting seven yeah they throw the book at him kind of and he you know he points it out that that is one of the things even if you're even if you're somewhat on the side of the American criminal justice system there are obvious glaring flaws that even you can point out like he said where. Well, if somebody hurts a child, like or as a rapist, they're going to get less time than me for moving some drugs. Which you know, yeah. to wit, the sanctimonious fucking police detective says, "We ever seen anybody with a meth mouth?" And you know, so he tries to uh, he tries to act like that there is the the cascading effects of Bradley's job are what ultimately cause more societal harm than any individual act of of. Of violence that somebody can cause upon other people, which that is an ethical debate that yes, we could have if we really wanted to get down to it. Um, bad getting a tranquilizer dart to the face, who doggy, no fun there. That was hard to suss out what exactly was going on. I was confused the first time and I understood it more the second time, like you, because yeah. you legitimately think she gets like shot in the fucking face, yeah. But she's just getting tranquilized. Just getting tranked. Yeah. Um, I will say I love all the one-liners in this. There's so many, but this one is kind of a swing in the swing and a miss because this is where it shows. It shows that I, I, I guess depending on how you look at it, it's good. I think it's bad because you're kind of more or less on Brad's side through the whole thing. You think that he's a guy that's smart enough to see through whatever racism and these general ills of society that you would expect a guy like him to kind of fall into. So I don't like it when he says a line last time I checked the colors of the flag were red, white, and burrito. I think that's a swing and a miss. 
<laughs> it's funny to me, but to me, it's like at that point, you're like, ah, oh, you, you, you know, you're you're better than this, my guy. <laughs> but so the way I took it was he it wasn't like it wasn't a true Bradley one liner. He yeah. was instigating sure. in in the most like like how do I instigate in a in a most the most efficient way possible that's true I You're think right. like I think he was being like a a caricature of a white inmate trying to be racist towards you know Latino inmates because that's, you that see that like one. southern charm that he that he elicits throughout so like I I that line is is clunky in its delivery a little bit but I do think it was it had a a purpose to yes. it rather than like a throwaway, like, like something you would say before you like pull the pin on a grenade and blow up a bunch <laughs> before something fucking stupid. Yeah. You have a good point there where he's just leaning into being a heel to expedite the mission. Yeah. He got, he has to, he has to really ramp it up because he's got to get transferred quickly. Yeah, totally. All right. That's all I have for bad. You got anything? Yeah, I mean, no, I agree with uh, the you know just reflecting on how bad our justice system is. Uh, I love the uh, uh, that reminded me of the one guy who was like, I hear there's like a new prison in Sweden. I wish I was there. And he's like, you gotta get better goals, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Aim higher. (laughs) You gotta gotta aim aim higher in your goals, there, bud. (laughs) But it's funny because like I watch a lot of lockup and I watch a lot of like prison documentaries especially like around the world and stuff it is egregious and depressing uh what our prison system is a fucking joke it is it you know nothing that you already don't know but it's it's basically slavery uh it's a fucking industrial complex for for slave labor and you know a majority of the people in there have bloated sentences and we're still locking people up away for for weed and all the the, the the dumbest shit on the planet. It's just like, it's really depressing. I don't know. Yeah. Seeing this kind of escapism of, uh, of, you know, exploitative prison culture is fun. Um, but yeah, the bad here is our American justice system uh, from, from police to our courts, to the actual uh, rehabilitation that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent, so, yeah. and even though yes, this is ultimately like it's a it's a fun exploitation homage movie. I feel like it does, you know, open up dialogue and discussion about that as well throughout the movie. It it, it is pointing out these these flaws that we have in society that need yeah. to be rectified. So, but yeah, uh, anything else? Want to move on to questionable? Sure. I think part of those uh, things we were just discussing also can dovetail into the questions as well. Um, Yeah. But what I wanted to ask off the top is why would Bradley return to the ambush? Why would he put his neck out to save essentially some cops (laughs) when he could have just You see him walking away and then and then he decides to engage and then he's even questioned about it um, by the police. Like, right? You you were you were free and clear. Why why did you why did you even come in there? 
Like, yeah. but because of your actions, like there are lots of good men that didn't have to die and they didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's an internal dialogue there. Is he, um, is he protecting the assets that are, I mean, I don't know. I was trying to think like, is he, uh, part of me thinks like, if he thinks these two go away, that's bad for business in terms of like with Gil. Um, yeah. And it looks bad on him. And, but also like these two dudes are in prison and he's not, and what what kind of shitstorm that that means for Gil? But uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I really know. I'm I'm just wondering if that's just another instance of him kind of thinking three moves ahead. You know, where he's like, "Well, they're gonna get to me eventually. I might as well just, you know, the jig is up." What kind of fallout is it gonna cause for like people people that I care about down the road if I draw this out? Yeah, because it's it's certainly not a it's not a position. He's he's not coming from a position of righteousness. He's not like, uh, no, there to save the cops. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's not that's like, oh, I mean. stop shooting at the cops. That's yeah. that's wrong. That's, not, that's <laughs> certainly it's a strange uh, it's a strange leap of logic that I, I'm not sure we. I'm not sure there's an answer to that one. Um, maybe it's simply we need to move the the narrative along. <laughs> right. Um, which brings me to that interrogation and him getting processed. Uh, one critical thing that I definitely was scratching my head about was they say that this is his first on the books offense. Mm. I don't believe that. <laughs> I feel like either a, it's one of these things where he just in the past was able to get away with a lot of shit. Or maybe he went through some pre-trial diversion sort of scenario. But it's funny how they paint him as being somebody that essentially doesn't have a criminal record. And uh, yeah, but again, that could also, you know, be a discussion about the fact that up until that point, he was able to navigate this world in a way that that was intelligent enough that he could he could circumvent any sort of criminal, you know. Or at least being being uh, caught by the cops or whatever, because he's clearly a guy that's done this before and knows what he's doing. He just, yeah, he just happened to land into the worst scenario and finally got caught. I don't know. You can tell he's savvy, but yeah, yeah, someone with that level of anger issues. Yeah, imagine just you- like someone cut off Bradley. Right. Traffic or just like any number of things that happen to us on a day to day. Having a really shitty day. Yeah, I don't see him handling it well. Yeah, you know he has to have some sort of violent offense rap somewhere down there, but I don't know. Again, that's another he took, very... he took plea deals the whole time. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um This is one thing I think about a lot because there's been times in my life where I've definitely thought I was gonna go to prison. It's been a long time, but there was definitely in my younger years, I was like, I'm probably going to end up in prison. One of the um, upswings of being in prison that I always thought that I could handle was I'd have a lot of time to read. He doesn't like to read. Can you imagine how boring it would be just passing the time every day just in your head in prison? Not having any sort of escape. What, What makes you say that he doesn't like to read? He says he doesn't. Oh, he says it. Okay, he just oh, straight well. up says, "I don't like to read. I don't. I don't even like to go to movies with subtitles." I thought that was a joke, like as in, like 
he's not even going to entertain the evidence that they have in front of him. I thought he was being like another colloquialism. Like I don't like to read and I don't even like to go to movies with subtitles. Like he's being like, he's saying like, I'm not reading and I'm not helping you. Sure. Could be also. But I, I, I get what you're saying. He, well, he also doesn't strike me as a reader because you can't punch books in order to get the information out of them. You got to actually read them. You can't just be like, tell me the information I want to know. Yeah. But yes, either way, could, could be the case. He doesn't like to read or can't read. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's not that. That's very possible. I think um, I don't know if I would ever want a sequel to this movie or any sort of prequel, but. This movie does leave a lot to the imagination as far as developing what Bradley's backstory is. Yeah. Two questions that I my main questions are like, what am how am I to believe that? Like, how does he have this expert like jujitsu prowess? Um, One and two, he clearly has like a martial arts background. So how did he how did the. The meditative arts of martial arts elude him in terms of like there's it's people that are like martial arts experts have a Zen quality to them and are like it's 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 very much so meditative. Um, You know, it's a controlled violence and also like almost like a pacifistic violence. So you only use it in in self-defense and to and to defend the defenseless. I, I don't know if he went. I don't know what jujitsu school he's going to, but he's missing the uh, the core values of most martial arts schools. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it, it it hints that he essentially just has training in boxing, just That's real true. traditional hand to hand combat sort of. Yeah. Maybe he, it, I mean, when he goes to be, beat most people up, it's his his fists are up. But then it, it's those moves where he's like bending people's arms back and then and starting yeah. to you know, like snap them and stuff and sure. like you know, disarming people that makes me think it's more than just more than just boxing. But yeah, that sort of training usually comes with, uh, you know, you only use it for, for when you have to, and you're, it's a controlled violence. He seems like out of fucking control. He's learned nothing through whatever training he's gone through. My best guess would be that he probably is ex-military and he got training through military and has severe PTSD that could be extrapolated to him having these anger management issues. That would be my, if we're going to paint a picture here. Yeah, I like it. Let's say that because that, you know, that's a common thing that happens where... Guys like this, blue collar guys, they went through military training. They were probably very successful in the military and maybe got honorably or dishonorably discharged, whatever. Anyways, so that could be a potential way to develop that that arc. Um, do you and I know there are a lot of real bad prisons in this country, but do you think that there is actually any prison that is the equivalent of someplace like Redleaf. <laughs> Any more? No, like maybe Leavenworth <laughs> in its heyday. Yeah. Like like those old uh, Civil War encampments that became these institutions that were heinous. Yeah, I, I think I wouldn't put it past them back then, uh, you know, in the 19... 19- 1930, late 1800s, early 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, even. 
Yeah. No, I can't imagine that a prison today would. But also, <laughs> would I be shocked? Shocked? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like a like a buzzing chastity belt? No, I doubt it. <laughs> right. Um, what I want to know is in these cells that have the bare minimum to non-existent uh, plumbing and toilet facilities or hygiene facilities. What are what are the prisoners wiping their ass with? Are they just walking around or like living in their own like shitty asses? Yeah, of course. They, they wipe their hand. Is it their hands? What did, are they did, doing? You, did you see that cell? It looked like a fucking. It looked like a porta potty at Woodstock. Like it was. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like free for all. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. Um, that's fun. Questions I have about why Eleazar is in prison. He he indicates he's he says, well, I'm here because of this bad deal that went down. I lost my freedom, but he's just there in his regular clothes, in his regular <laughs> business casual clothes, hanging out while the other guys are in their in their in their uh, their prison jumpsuits. So again, it makes me wonder: is that all just? Is he, he, he did he cut some deal to get in there so he could enact revenge on Bradley or is he actually in there? But he's clearly, you know, he's he's in the uh, um, first class section of Red Leaf. <laughs> I also don't understand the, the plan of infiltrating it and having him like what what is like? What is the, the what is the goal there? Like, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, why not just use the abortionist to send the fetal limbs to Bradley in jail from afar? Yeah. Just be like, we're going to we're going to torture this this motherfucker mentally. Yeah, it just seems like he's just overcomplicating his his revenge against Bradley. Like, wait, the plan to get him there. Okay, and now he's there. He's there. Now what? Like, yeah. were were they just wanting to enact like to physically assault him or right. whatever? I mean, I don't know. Once he gets there, it's it's only it's only a bad idea in terms of like he's just gonna run roughshod all over <laughs> cell block ninety nine and just kill everybody. Well, clearly in their hubris, they they are self assured <laughs> that. He, there's no way he's going to be able to beat them. So there is that aspect. They're going to put themselves in there. So they not only get the, they get the gratification of not only aborting the fetus and killing his wife, but also beating the shit out of him and, and probably killing him or torturing him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but yeah, does Eliezer need to be there? Is, is, is he, cause he's, yeah, he's just that, that much seems, of a sadist. That seems weird. Like, why not just have your guys do that? If you're right. if you're truly like a, a criminal you're, enterprise, you're right, not on the you're front line. That good, yeah, you're in that good where you can just hang out at Redleaf in your regular your Dockers, your khaki Dockers. Yeah, just send like, Roman. Whatever, send Roman. You got Roman in there, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Um, what kind of food do you think they serve at Red Leaf? What exactly? What is this? Just some. It looked like, like he was eating. Uh, he was dipping like bread into mashed potatoes. I don't. I couldn't tell what he was eating. Yeah, so it's just like some Civil War era rations that they break open and you know hydrate. Like you know, it's a dehydrated. 
military well, like a, lot of, a lot of prisons have like punishment loafs uh, yeah. where they just grind various leftovers into a gelatinous slab and just bake it and so like people in solitary will just get like the punish loaf uh, and supposedly, you know, supposedly it's fucking disgusting because it's just like different weird vegetable like pieces and like you know random meats of, of sorts like a real shitty meatloaf <laughs> yeah with, with very little meat but it's yeah like, I yeah. probably some punishment loaf of some sort who knows uh, what do you surmise that that prisoner across from Bradley's cell in 99 did? What heinous backstory does that old man also, have? Also, why was he uh, out? Like, how was he talking to him in his... Was he just out and about? Like, why? how was he in, like, looking in the Bradley's cell They both had. They door. both had their, their little peep, peep doors open. But it looked like he was, like, he, like... It looked like his face was, like, in the door. Like, he was in the hallway. No. It says he's across the hall. He's got his little peep door open. Bradley had his peep door open. It was weird. Would he be that close, though? Again, he's not that close. He's across the the hallway. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just a weird (laughs) skewed perspective. It was weird. Uh, (laughs) And then when he gets the stunner off of the sun gun off of the prison guard, that guy... Says, hey, can you give me that? I, I could put that to good use in here. I'm just wondering. I, I feel like that prisoner's backstory is he's clearly a child molester or a rapist or some sort of sexual sadist. He wants the prison stunner for himself to just shock himself in the balls. Yeah. He's, he's the mix of. Uh, yes. <laughs> he's the mix of, uh, of Red Leaf. Yes, absolutely. Um. And uh, finish it off. Uh, I, I did find it interesting, amusing, and also question why Placid Man was listening to that particular kind of contemporary R and B in his uh, sedan with the Placid Man is is uh, a man of intrigue. Man, yes, he truly is. Any questions that you got to add to the the heap? My biggest question, which I I just I. How is that Gil's daughter? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, I did have that question, too. They're like the same age. That's so weird. And she's she's it was in my bad, too, in terms of, like, terrible acting. She was terrible. She just delivered her half-assed lines. And then and then you meet Gil and you're like, how what is going on? Like, they're like the same age. So strange. She calls him daddy. Oh my god. Maybe it's a sexual daddy. Not yeah, a it might it might biological be. daddy. Right. That 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 mm-hmm. would that would track. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. Let's move yeah. on then. Wanna start some stuff? Huh? I'm more of a finisher. Loca en la cabeza. That's right, I'm loca. Get the fuck out of my crazy way. Here we are, our awards and categories section. I got it right this time. I actually got it. Oh, use the right (laughs) format? Okay. I think we answered uh, the question here because I really didn't have anything, but I feel like you just answered it for us. Uh, The David Mendenhall Award goes to the worst performance. Is it Gil's quote-unquote daughter? Yeah. Yeah, whatever she is in relation to him. That beanstalk of a lady. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's sufficient for me. Uh, Frank Booth Award goes to the character who best belongs in a David Lynch movie. We already stated this. Placid is this Man. Our, is this the easiest one we've ever had? Might be. Placid Man and the Korean abortion doctor both. Yeah, that in the car is a is a vibe. That's a that's a Lynch movie <laughs> waiting to happen. It really is. Um. Um. Well, this is interesting because we may differ on this. The E.G. Daily Secret Admirer Award goes to the biggest on-screen crush. Well, honestly, it was slim pickings for me. Mm. We could go outside of the box, but I was going to say, if I if I really was just giving an off-top answer, it would be Gil's daughter, because she is kind of <laughs> hot <laughs> in a weird, tall way. The thing is, like, with, with Lauren, who is played by... I always rub... Uh, Jennifer Carpenter. Jennifer Carpenter. I can't say her because this is the reason why she is forever going to be Dexter's sister. Yeah. Yeah. And Dexter's sister uh, is she's not particularly attractive either. She's, she's like she's very. Yeah. She just like caught leather pulled over a skeleton, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just is, is the taut leather look perpetually tanned. I think Dexter's sister is insufferable. So she's just. She puts on a fine performance in this movie, but she's just kind of unfortunately tainted because I think that character that she plays is just irredeemably insufferable in that show. So, well, I'll tell you who I did pick. Um, the social worker, Denise, played by uh, that that Indian actress. Yeah. Okay. That that's good. I'll go with that too. Pooja Kumar. Yeah, she's. In fact, doesn't Lefty say something about like her cans? Yeah, she's got real big cans. Nice comment. And about then it. we don't get to see them. I thought they were gonna smash cut to like a boob window on her dress or something, like something revealing. <laughs> Which would, you know, good for her taking her job seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to Primetime Bitch Ward goes to the best one liner. Man, this movie is as opposed to last week where we're like, well, it's. You know, these overdubbed um, international somewhat affairs, they can be a little uh, slim pickings in that category. But man, this one is just just festooned (laughs) with fantastic one liners. So but what do you got as far as your numero uno? I think I I think this is something I could easily if I remembered to do so, just start using in my day to day. I I still love the uh, south of OK, north of uh, north of cancer that like. How you doing? South yeah. okay. North of cancer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. Um I like when Bradley is talking to Wilson, the red leaf guard, the, the little little guy. The real petty little guy. Oh yeah. And he's uh, about to get him worked up for their final fight. And this is after he had already broken his arm and it's in a cast. He says, When I ought to grab that cast, should I make it out to Mr. or Mrs. Bitch? There it is. See, I think that's a worse line than the burrito line. He meant that. Well, there's also the one line in early in with uh, Gil where they're talking before they're about to discuss the drop. And Gil says, you know, go into the fridge. I got that faggoty mineral water you like. And Mm -hmm. Brad retorts, I didn't know that liquid had a sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. But that's That's a good one. That's a good one. And him him asking Gil asking him if it's. And uh, N word with a hard R or a, <laughs> yeah. a, with an A, and he's like, I think someone that looks like you can't should be saying that either way. Yeah, way. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Ain't> the <polite> way. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So again, you know, Brad, 
he is also the, the the theme of the movie of everyone calling him Brad and him, and no matter what the situation, him correcting him and saying Bradley. Bradley, yes, that's true. Bradley, Bradley. Okay, uh, let's go on to the wiki wormhole with the top body count. I had read was nine. That's higher than I thought it was, but there's I don't that's know lower how many than I thought it was. So many people just get fucking destroyed. I guess they may may or may not be dead. I don't know. Yeah, because it's it's hard telling with the cop ambush because you don't really know how many of them get murked in that. But well, he said zero. He said thanks to you, no nobody died, which I don't believe. I thought like you see that one cop in front of the car where that guy looks like he was getting riddled, but um, they had some real superior grade Kevlar on apparently. mm Hmm. So nine. That's the confirmed deaths that we have on screen. Uh, the wiki wormhole, not a really long one, so that's good because we're trying to wrap this up pretty quick so you can get on to your dad projects and I got to work tonight. So let's zoom uh, on. Hell. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Labor Day. Here we go. Look at me laboring on labor. That's what it's meant. That's what it's, oh, that's what that's it was what meant mean for. I'm doing the opposite. You're supposed to labor, not mm. celebrate your labors. Mm. Um, the prosthetics used in the fight scenes to show injuries were made to look like the 70s style grindhouse effects, as we had discussed earlier. That's that was intentional. And so fuck you to the people that made fun of this movie for that. Uh, Vince Vaughn put on 15 pounds of muscle and trained as a boxer for three months prior to walking on set. He stated that this made the fight choreography much easier to learn. Well, I would assume so. Um, and him just being like, uh, you know, I read that, you know, Zoller just liked the look of him, like being like six, four. And that's something that's joked upon. It's on like the poster. He's on the there's a poster, an alternate one where they show his height, like yeah. against the backdrop. And there's also those two guards that are guessing whether or not he's like guessing his height or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a it was a great choice in terms of like an imposing figure. Yeah, that was a key aspect of picking out Vaughn's. Zoller even said that himself. He's like, I know that he is known for comedic roles, but if you took him out of that context and didn't know who he was and saw him on the streets, you'd think, wow, this guy would just smear your ass. And shaving his head does a lot to make him look more imposing. Yeah, he does look incredibly imposing and, and intimidating in this. So... Apparently, Woody Harrelson was originally discussed yeah. as being put in I the role of Bradley Thomas, and Zoller said he's he said that Woody Harrelson would have done a fantastic job. It's clearly you know a perfect role for him, but a part of the reason why he picked Vaughn, and this is why I really respect Zoller, is he wanted to take somebody that wouldn't necessarily traditionally do that traditionally and and see the transformation yeah you know go underway while making the movie and i that's really cool that to me again it's like that is a device and a technique of someone that is a great filmmaker that they're able to do that that they're able to make that transfer transform somebody yeah yeah so Again, hats off. Uh, we already talked about this a little bit, but uh, the destruction of the car was done by Vaughn. Car parts were real and were set up in a way that the, that Vaughn wouldn't hurt himself badly. <laughs> it, it, it hurt himself, just not not bad. It's not 
didn't break any limbs or any any uh any hand hand muscles or anything like that so uh this could have been uh inspired by the divine comedy which i believe uh bradley thomas has to get himself to the area of the prison with the highest security in cell block 99 by fighting other inmates and guards which guarantees he'll never get out of prison he does this to save his wife which can be compared to dante's journey to the ninth circle of hell Mm. there you go another biblical reference yeah sort of in a roundabout way yeah Yeah. uh red leaf is the well the place it is seen as red leaf is actually an old fort slash prison in staten island the exterior shots and some of the interior like walkway shots were taken at that fort but um the prison uh, the the cells themselves were actually built in a warehouse in brooklyn so hmm. there you go that's like that's all i got oh the only other cool thing i you know i didn't do any research on it but um I noticed uh, I was watching the credits and then um, I noticed when the, when the songs came up, every single one of them was written by Zahler. <laughs> uh, right. And then I looked, I looked it up and yes, yeah, so lo and behold, he wrote every one of the songs in this movie. I, they sound like songs. Don't they sound like actual, like Motown songs or like Absolutely. early R and B shit. And or like, like it's crazy that he wrote these songs. I just assumed they were like deep cuts of shit Motown or or various 1960s songs that I'd never heard of. Yeah, and they're great. The soundtrack's great. I love it. Uh, really it's crazy. In, in, indicative of Zoller being a real renaissance man. I know we kind of clowned on one of his bands when we were talking about Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, we did do that in the Bone... I remember doing that in Bone Tomahawk, but clearly he can write... Like, he wrote the songs that are just, like, played on the radio, in the car radio throughout the movie. It's... It's really nuts. I I was fooled. Yeah, he's great. What a dude. All right. Well, shall we rate this? Let's come up with an iconography. What do we got for our icons? A five out of five for this here movie. That's tough. This is a out of five. Uh, Elias, our heads in the shithole. <laughs> uh, out of five, uh, out of uh, out of uh, however many fetal limbs, fetal limbs. <laughs> out of five amputated fetal limbs, what would you give this, Pat? Um, I would give this. Uh, I would just a smidge under a five. I would give it a four and a half. It's not the. Uh, I would, wouldn't bestow it with a perfect movie rating, um, which I, you know, try to be sparing of those, but uh, just a smidge below it. Great replay value. And I, I it's it's a f- fun journey, like, you know, from the opening scene, there's not a there's a is a lean two hour movie. I mean, it's a little over two hours yeah. and it, it does not feel there's there's movies that are this long where I am like, okay, now we're in the lull, the middle of this, you know, movie before it picks back up. It doesn't feel, it feels like a 90 minute banger. It's just a little over two hours and there is not one singular scene where I'm like, time to take out my phone and like, you know, 
yeah. just scroll through social media while they get this heartfelt bullshit scene out of the way. Four and a half. It's great. Yeah, there's no sloggy aspects to it. Even Bone Tomahawk, which I really like a lot. There it's is slow. parts. There's there's some sloggy aspects to it. Um, I mean, it it's the type of movie where you appreciate it, but this movie is not much shorter as far as I know, or it's equivalent, and it does not feel the same length at all. No. I agree. Yeah, I'm kind of, more or less, I was I was with you, but I'm just, because I've spent, I think, more time with this movie, and the more I watch it, the more I fall in love with it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it a perfect score. I love this movie. Bam, 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 bam. Woo! Thanks. Five fetal dude. limbs. There's no such thing as five fetal limbs. You can't give it five, unfortunately. <laughs> you can't give it four and a half. Right. Well, we're just gonna we're just for this. We're gonna force. We're gonna force it. We're gonna force it. All right. So, Pat, it's you, my guy. You're up next. What do you got for us? Hand oh it boy. over. So what? We have two more movies until our Halloween Spook- spectacular. Yeah, until spooky time. So we can't do anything spooky. No. Correct? I mean, ideally. Got to stay away from the spooky. All right. Maybe do something kind of spooky adjacent, but... Well, um... (laughs) Here we go. I don't know if this is spooky adjacent, um, and I don't know if we've talked about him on here before, but I've, I've always wanted to do one of his, and no better time than now. Uh, let's bring Alejandro Jodorowsky onto the fucking pod. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I've, I've got, I've had some Jodorowsky's on my list. So I'm interested in which one you're going to drop in our lap here. Uh, Holy mountain from 1973. There you go. That's the, that is the one. If you are familiar with the man's oeuvre at all, even moderately, it's really between That's, this and El Topo. Yeah. Maybe Santa Sangre. But look, I, mean, I think Holy Mountain is the good entry point into whether or not you would even like Jodorowsky in terms of like this surreal fantasy thing that he has going on in most of his movies. Mind fuck of a movie. So, yeah, there you go. I'm pretty stoked to talk about that because Jodorowsky is a dude that I've wanted to, to bring to the table myself. So I'm glad that you've done it for us. <laughs> Just make sure that we get our ayahuasca trips out of the way. Yeah. Whatever. Get bring the bring the hallucinogens to the table to you know get us prepared. No, for this it, no, it's one of those. Remember what we say. This is the movie that does the drugs for us. It's true. Yeah, that's true. So just go, just raw dog it. Yeah, See, we're gonna raw dog this next one. <laughs> great. I'm looking forward to that. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. Our outro music today is going to be, let's just take one of these cool songs that S. Craig Zaylor made for the soundtrack and we'll drop it in there. I think I know exactly which one I want, so we're going to drop one of those. Uh, If you have any questions, feel free to email us at midnightflicks.com. At G- is it midnightfootspod at gmail.com? Sorry. Yes, correct. Yes, yeah, thank you. Guys. We are on Instagram and we have a TikTok. And you can come, if you've heard about our famed Hollow Man post, <laughs> our legend, legendary Hollow Man post, please follow us on TikTok. And yeah, if you have any questions, drop us a line. For Pat Mitchell, I am Adam Walker. 
Am I forgetting anything else, Pat? No. See you next time. Yeah, see you next time. See, see you on the mountain. On the mountain.